Yo, and welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast with me, Ryan Hartley, and today I bring you episode 71 of the Always Better Than Yesterday interview sessions. I started this podcast about two years ago with the simple intention of helping you understand the habits and the mindset behind successful and inspiring people. In 2016, I read a fantastic book called The Go-Giver Leader. It really spoke to my heart and it transformed the way that I have perceived leadership and shown up as a leader. Um, It really did touch me and here I am, four years later, bringing on the co-author Bob Berg for episode 71 of the Always Better Than Yesterday interview sessions. I'm very proud of this conversation. I definitely had a great time asking Bob my curious questions. I hope that you enjoy the interview. I hope you're inspired to check out more of um, the Go-Giver series and the work that that Bob and his his co-authors have put out. Um, But for now, enjoy the conversation and let me know on social media or at Ryan B. Hartley what resonates with you in the next half an hour. Please do subscribe. Please leave a review. Until next time, enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, Mr. Bob Berg. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. As I was just saying offline, um, a personal thank you to you for writing, co-writing this amazing book called The Go-Giver Leader. It's been a huge gift to me in my leadership journey. uh, And I just wanted to take the time to personally thank you for writing such an incredible book. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. So... I'm sure you're you're well known across the world, but if there's someone that's listening to this that's not heard of yourself before, please give yourself a bit of an introduction and um, yeah, let us know a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, I think you're giving me a little too much credit. I'm not sure everyone <laughs> knows about me, but the uh, but thank you, Bill. Uh, really, I just I began in broadcasting first in radio and then television and uh, got into sales. I always like to say I graduated into sales from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I floundered at first because I I had no sell- selling skills. I I knew nothing about any kind of professional selling and where I was mm-hmm. working the the um, the training was, we'll say, negligible at best. Mm. It means non-existent. <laughs> mm. And so, real again, I, I floundered for a while until I, I was in a bookstore. And this is almost 40 years ago now. Uh, I came across a couple of books. One was by Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar. And uh, it surprised me that, uh, especially Tom Hopkins' title, How to Master the Art of Selling. I said, what? Mm. An art to selling? It's not just knock on a lot of doors, making a lot of calls, talk about your product, blah, 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 and hope mm-hmm. they sign, right? And uh, so it gave me a lot of hope, just just knowing that there was an art to it. And I remember studying Mr. Hopkins and Mr. Ziegler's books, and a world opened up to me that I didn't even know was there. And within mm-hmm. a few weeks, my sales began to go through the roof. And um, so, you know, that it was nice knowing that if there's a system, a methodology for doing something, then, hey, you know, you, you're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game, right? You just need to be willing sure. to tap into it and follow it. And so long as it's congruent with your values and, and so forth, then it's going to work. Um, 
But what but I really came to discover is two other things about selling. One is that far more than the skills and techniques, which again are very, very important, um, it's really understanding that you need to develop yourself from the inside out. And I know, of course, this is your expertise, so it, you know, it kind of fits right in, but I realized that it was much more about developing myself as a human being. So I began getting all the books that you probably have in your library too, How to Win Friends and Influence mm-hmm. People, uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich, the, you know, the Magic of Thinking Big, Psycho-Cybernetics, all the, you know, the As a Man Thinketh, all the, the classics. And as I began building myself from the inside, again, another part of me just said, wow, you know, I didn't even know that was there. Um, but I think probably the most significant, or not, not the most, although very important, but that there were all, all of it was important. But it was when I came to realize that selling was as important as it was to, to understand the skills as an, and as important as it was to um, understand personal development, what really counted most was focusing on the other person. Mm-hmm. And this was brought to mind when a couple of years into the business and I, you know, I was doing well, I was at now with another company selling another product. Um, I was doing well, but not, not near reaching my potential. And I remember coming back to the office one day and I was disgusted at myself for, for, because a sale did not happen. And it was really on, on my end because it was perfect for this person and I didn't do my job correctly. And one of the older guys there at the company and he wasn't even in sales he was in another department but he was one of these guys uh that always you know he didn't say much but whenever he said anything it was always profound you know one of those people that you come across and he said bird can i give you some advice and uh i said yeah absolutely please do i could use it (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you want to make a lot of money in in selling uh, in sales he said don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money, whatever you choose, but never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that's when I, you know, it kind of, and, and by the way, Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar taught that as well. I just didn't mm-hmm. get it. I didn't pick it up at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, once he said that, that was an epiphany because that, you know, it was, it was wow, selling good salesmanship is not about the salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, uh, you know, um, uh, it's not even about the product or the service, as important as that is, it's not about that. What it's about yeah. is how it's going to touch the lives of those you're dealing with, of those you want to serve, of those whose lives you're wanting to touch in a positive way. And it's the mm-hmm. same leadership, right? Great leadership is never about the leader. Mm-hmm. It's about those the leader is wanting to touch, those the leader mm-hmm. is wanting to serve, those they're wanting to give leadership to and help become better leaders and accomplish their goals and so forth. So that, you know. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I think, I think a big part of being a go-giver, whether it be a leader or seller is, is about others, but in doing so, I think the inner work means that we need to be confident enough in ourselves to be able to put our own stuff to one side so that we can focus on other people. And I think you liken this around the emotional intelligence and, and, and things like that. 
if someone's listening to this and they, 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 they want to become more of a giver, where do they start? Well, I'm not, I think if someone already wants to, then they're already in a great position because mm -hmm. they want to. They know it's something that's going to be of help. And, uh, you know, it's the person who doesn't understand why what they're doing maybe isn't getting them quite the results they want, mm -hmm. but they don't know why that is. And when someone says, well, if you can shift your focus, if you can move from a focus on yourself and, and instead put it on bringing value to others, you're going to be far, you're actually going to be far more successful. And they don't get that because that's not how they were taught or that's not how some of the business heroes they've seen have operators mm -hmm. to have operated. And they say, Oh no, I, that's, I'm not going to do it. Well, that's an issue, right? They're not, they're not going to change. But the person who says, yeah, you know, I, this sounds like something that's more in alignment with how, because here's the thing. Most, I'm going to say 99.999% of the people who are in sales or leadership, they want to bring immense value to the world. As human beings, you know, all but the biggest narcissist, right, wants to make a difference. They want to bring value to the world. I, you know, I personally haven't met a salesperson who didn't totally believe in his or her product. Okay. But when we're taught to focus on the money, not on the value we're bringing to another human being, there's a real disconnect there. Mm. And it makes it difficult actually for most people to sell that way because it's not them. And so, you know, so what I'm gonna say is understand that not only when you shift your focus from getting to giving, and when we say this, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. And my co-author John David Mann and I are always explaining that's what we mean. Okay. It's understanding that not only is that a more pleasant way of conducting business, sure, for the other person, but also for you, mm. it's also the most financially profitable way as well. Not for some way out, woo-woo kind of reasons, but when you think about it, it's very practical. It's very logical. Why? Because, and I, I often say this when I'm speaking at a, at a conference, and I say it in a, a joking way, not a dogmatic fashion, but mm. you know, I'll say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> and we all laugh because we know, right? No one's gonna buy from us because we need the, the money because we have a quota to meet because we wanna impress our boss. They're gonna <laughs> buy from us because they believe that they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's yeah. fine. That means the entrepreneur or the salesperson per who can focus on bringing immense value to their customer has the greatest chances of the sale taking place. It means the leader who doesn't treat his or her people as just pegs to help them succeed, but instead who genuinely cares and wants those they lead to succeed, that's the person who's going to be, have much more buy-in into your mission as well. So it yeah. really were, and this is why, you know, on a financial level, John and I often say that money is simply an echo of value, right? It's mm. the uh, thunder, if you will, to values lightning which means yeah. nothing more than that the value must come first. The focus needs to be on the value, what you give. Um, and the, the money that you receive is simply a very natural result of the mm. value. Money is very tangible, isn't it? And I guess one of the quotes I really love from the go-giver leader is that a leader is the trustee of the intangibles. What does that really mean? Oh, boy. Um, Gosh, 
that's one of those things that's almost hard to explain more than what it is. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Uh, you know, that leader is the person who, you know, has to take the responsibility of sure. making sure things are going, that making sure that there's buy-in, making sure that people are, are happy and feel good about themselves and have a sense of purpose and a sense of mm. autonomy and a sense of meaning. Okay. It, you know, we know it starts with leadership. Uh, all success really starts with leadership, right? And so, so yeah, they're the steward. They're the, you know, they're the person who it's, and yet the greatest ones know at the same time that it's not about them. Now that sounds paradoxical, but it's not, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. it's a difference, you know, Jim Collins in his magnificent book, Good to Great, talked about the difference between level four leaders and level five leaders. And level four and level five leaders were both just as talented, right? But with the level four leader, it was kind of about them. Mm -hmm. They were much quicker to take the credit. Um, they didn't build leaders necessarily around them. They were the deal, as we say in the, in the book, right? The opposite mm -hmm. of lead is deal. When you think mm -hmm. you're deal, right? Mm -hmm. And the level five leader is ha, operates with much more of a sense of humility, much more of a, you know, I'm here to, to, to serve you and make you better and help you get what you want. And in turn, that, mm -hmm. you know, helps all of us. Uh, the level five leader is much quicker to give away the credit and accept the responsibility. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's really what we're talking about in that, in that quote. Yeah. Uh, we were talking off air at the start that uh, my, my leadership background started um, within a hierarchical structure in, in policing. And um, yeah, the concept of being a, a go-giver leader is, is not requirement of, of rank and position and it's more a character and a trait and, and an action what are some of the character traits and actions of a go-giver leader well i mean i think the first one is that you know where you want to go and you know where mm -hmm. you want to lead the team and it's you know it's having that vision and we've all heard that and i think that's pretty known but the big thing is holding the vision right mm -hmm. Because it's very mm -hmm. easy to um, have a vision. It's much more difficult to hold it when things around you are not going as you mm -hmm. desire them to go, uh, which happens much more often than we, you know, than we would like. So that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. certainly something that that leader who can hold the vision, because remember, they're all looking at you. If you're panicking, they're panicking. <laughs> you're you right. And uh, mm -hmm. what do they say that they're going to uh, imitate? uh you know half of of the good things you do and a hundred percent of the negative things you do. wow yeah i think another sign of a go-giver leader is they build their people that is mm -hmm. their goal their goal mm -hmm. is to build their people um and I, I i think that and i'm not even just saying other leaders which is of course absolutely but i mean <coughs> everyone throughout their organization. That's where, you know, Herb Kelleher of Southwest, uh, and you know, mm -hmm. we always use that as an example. So, well, there's a good reason we use that as an example. They were a great example, you know, for uh, other than their first two years in business, I think they were profitable every single year and then continue mm -hmm. to be, uh, even after he's, he's gone, um, because of the culture they started. And it was a culture that said, uh, no, the stockholder is not, uh, is not first. Uh, mm -hmm. Even the customer actually is not first. Our employees 
our first. We're going to build our people. We're mm-hmm. focusing on our people. We're going to love our people. Colleen Barrett, his, who started as his assistant, who then became president, uh, she wrote a book called Lead with Love. And it's a wonderful book. And there's nothing touchy-feely about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Love is not necessarily touchy-feely. Um, mm-hmm. Though kindness certainly has a lot to do with it. And, but, but what Herb said was, no, take care of your people. They'll take care of the customers. And of course, the customers are going to take care of the stockholders. And so that's, you know, you, you build your people. I think the leader has to be willing to do the work. They need to, mm-hmm. to either have done that particular thing or have enough uh, experience that they have gravitas, you know, that mm-hmm. they come in and people say, yeah, that's a person who's been there, who's done that, who's, um, uh, you know, who's willing to get, you know, to get down there and, and, and do that. Uh, Mm. that's very important. Um, I think also what a leader really does is the effective ones, they stand for something. Mm. And, you know, in the, in the go-giver leader, Aunt Elle, who was the, uh, main mentor, she said to, to Ben, you know, what you have to offer, you give least of all through what you say. So, you know, what you say is important, certainly but it's just that it's the, it's the least important. More important, of course, is what you do, but even more important than that is what? Who you are. And that's where character comes into play. Uh, character, and you know, Aunt Elle explains it because she's a wordsmith, uh, mm-hmm. in that it, which my co-author is a wonderful wordsmith. So that was, that was a real fun part, you know, for, for him. Um, but she talks about character comes from an old Greek word. Uh, meaning scrape or scratch. It came to mean an engraved marking and eventually a defining quality. Now, if Mm -hmm. one were to wax poetic, one could say that character is what happens when life etches or scratches itself onto your soul. But Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly poetic, right? So I just like a defining quality, or perhaps more accurately, the sum total of all one's qualities is their defining quality or character. It's interesting. People of high character, leaders of high character, which we've all known, it's not that they don't make mistakes because they're human. Of course, they make mistakes. It's not that they don't course correct. They absolutely course correct. And it's not that they're not flexible in terms of strategy. Sure, they are. We all need to be. Uh, No, they're flexible on strategy. However, when it Mm. comes to those values based decisions. They are immovable, immutable, and unchangeable. And that's why we trust them. Even if we don't necessarily agree with every decision, we trust them because we know when it comes to character, there's no one, you know, more that we can, who we can depend on. So I think that's really a big part of, um, of being a leader. It's having that character. And then, you know, we would say another part is what we call giving leadership, which is both a noun and a verb, because it's mm. giving leadership sort of like servant leadership. It's giving leadership. Your focus is on the value you're giving, but it's also a verb. It's giving leadership to others. It's putting mm. them out there. It's equipping them and then allowing them to fly and allowing them to shine and allowing them to have the spotlight and allowing them to make mistakes and allowing them to succeed. And I think when we can do that, you know, again, we, we have a, a good thing going in terms of earning the, uh, the uh, trust and commitment of those we, we lead. 
Mm. I love that. And you talked a little bit about lead with love and um, that's why I have a, a blue heart as my, you know, my logo. Ah, is, you know, that's great. Yeah. I love helping people <laughs> lead with love and serve with purpose. And in the, um, in the Q and a section of your book, you, you say that uh, leadership is a lot like love. If you hoard it to yourself, it withers and dies. But if you give it away, it multiplies exponentially. Um, and it kind of links to your quote that the more you have, the more you give, the more you have. And it's a bit of a paradox. Like uh, right. for those critics that say that makes no sense, how does it make sense? Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, you know, we've all heard the example of the candle, right? You know, you light a candle and you light someone else's candle. It doesn't take away from your candle. It just gives someone mm. else light <laughs> and you can do that a million times or a hundred million times and it doesn't matter well it's the same it's the same with with you know giving you give uh, uh help you give knowledge you give intelligence you give information you give love you give you know it doesn't take anything away from us it just in fact it gives us more of it because people return it to us you know mm. so. i and one for quotes, they really stick with me. And one of the concepts that really stuck out was this idea that you can't push a rope. <laughs> right. You can't push a rope. And that, that just sparked something in me visually that just really resonated. What does that phrase mean? You can't push a rope. Yeah. And I guess, I guess literally you kind of could, but it just wouldn't be very effective. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would take quite a while to get it to where you want to go. <laughs> sure. But then you turn around and you pull it. And it moves as fast as you move. Mm. And it's the same with others. See, when we talk about influence, we can look at it on a very basic level and then a bit deeper. So on a, on, let's, so let's just say on, a, on the most basic level, we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That's its definition. But that's not its essence. That's not its substance. The essence of influence is pull, right? As opposed to push. Again, let's go back to that rope you brought up. Try to push that rope. Uh, again, you can, you know, we always say you can't push a run. You can, but boy, is it difficult to get to where you want to go, get, to, get that rope to where you want it to go by pushing it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why great influencers don't push. Great leaders don't push. You never hear people say, wow, that David or that Jennifer, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, she has a lot of pull with people. That's why she's influential. Influence is pull. It's an attraction, right? Great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. They do this through pull. Now, how do you do that pull? And this is just what we've really been talking about. You, you pull just as Dale Carnegie, if we go back to how to win friends and influence people, what he said, one of the, the, what I believe is the underlying premise of his entire book is where he said, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons, mm -hmm. right? So the great leader, the great influencer, um, they constantly ask themselves questions to make sure that they are heading in the right direction. So for example, they're gonna ask themselves, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals? How does mm. it align with their needs, their wants, their desires? How does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does what I want this person to do, how does it align with 
their values? What problems am I helping them to solve? How am I making their life better, uh, happier, more rewarding? This is mm. full. And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, um, Mm. genuinely, uh, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Mm. Now we've, we've gone so much further in earning their commitment rather than trying to depend on some type of compliance. Compliance is push. Okay. Mm. You might get an immediate, you know, because they have to do, but boy, is it difficult to sustain that because they're going to either sabotage you or do just exactly what they have to and no more. And maybe, mm. you know, take things literally instead of really, you know, uh, so no, that's why if I love what one of my great friends, the leadership authority, Dondi Scumachi, what she says about this, she says, uh, uh, compliance will never take you where commitment can go. Yeah. I love that. It's powerful. I, um, I've recently started networking in my local community, connecting with business leaders. Um, and I've always felt this sense of what's the purpose of networking and uh, people have been pitching and getting real used to their kind of phrases and slogans. And, and I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable with that. And, and I was asked, you know, what do you, why do you come to networking? It was simply for me, it was about making friends and connections. And then I listened to this uh, audible version of, of your go-givers sell more. And to hear the words, the best pitch is to have no pitch was like, I was like, ah, oh, this makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. But why is having no pitch the best pitch? Well, when you think of it, what is a, a pitch? Well, now, by the way, I know that in the UK, of course, uh, and in most of the world other than the US, a pitch is the playing field, okay, <laughs> right, of a football stadium or what have you. Yeah, um, in the US, a pitch uh, in sports would be in baseball. And the idea of a pitch is to strike the batter out, okay? It was, so you're doing it to that. Yet when you pitch, you're doing something to someone, not for someone. Okay. Um, so we, we say the same thing in sales because we always have people over here saying, well, I'm going to pitch this client. I'm going to pitch this thing. I'm going to pitch this product or service. To, me, to, you know, to us, we have pitch and it's, you know, uh, it's not something you're doing. You're doing that for yourself, not for them. We say instead, how about a serve? such as in a friendly game of tennis, right? A serve, you mm -hmm. serve back and forth. Now, of course, literally a serve in tennis, you're trying to get it past the person too. But in this case, mm -hmm. we're saying it's a friendly game of tennis and we're just gonna kind of go back and forth, serve, serve, you know, hit. And, and so it's just such a, so you think about it in the networking environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, Business Networking International, uh, and we spoke on a, a, a stage together recently, and he, he said just the funniest thing. Uh, it was so great. He, and he talked about being at, a, at an event actually in the UK, and he, and he said, you know, when it comes to networking, how many, it was a big room full of people, and he said, how, uh, he said to them, uh, he asked them, how many of you are here today to sell something? And 90% of the you know, hands went up. He goes, okay, how many of you are here today to buy something? <laughs> so if you're there to pitch your products or service, you're really pitching to a bunch of people who aren't interested. That's not why they're there. Okay. Yeah. Instead of pitching, just serve. 
instead of pitching, find out how you can help that person, not through your products or services, just find out by getting to know them, find out knowing who they are. You know, I, I have what I call feel good questions, which are nothing more than rapport building questions, which make a person just feel very comfortable with you. Mm. It's asking a person how they got started in their business, which is something most people love to answer how they got started. Mm. They're never asked that question, but they'd love to answer that question. How did you get started as a, you know, what have you? How did yep. you get your start in the so-and-so profession? Um, a, a great follow-up question to that is, what do you enjoy most about what mm -hmm. you do, right? Again, it's a feel-good question. But my favorite question to ask, what I call the one key question, is David or Mary, tell me, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good potential client for you? Mm -hmm. So you're serving, you're not pitching. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is really establishing a great connection with this new person. So yeah. that's really, you know, when it comes to networking, that, you know, to me or someone like Ivan, and of course, Ivan's most uh, famous phrase is giver's game, you know, and, mm -hmm. and which I think is brilliant. Two words that says it all, you know, to the degree your focus is on giving, giving value to others, that's the degree to which you gain. I love that. My ethos is all about helping people be better than yesterday. I'm just curious to know what that phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Oh, well, that means you're continually trying to improve yourself. You know, fortunately, there's so many great courses out there and things we can, you know, look at and learn. The, the book that, that to me helped me to do that the most and really got me started on that process is a book called uh, The Autobiography by Benjamin Franklin. Mm -hmm. and it was a brilliant book for all the wisdom he shared mm -hmm. uh but one chapter in particular was where he shared how to improve yourself by working on 13 traits and you choose one trait and you would focus on that just laser focus on that trait that first trait for a week okay and mm -hmm. i mean you, you just really everything was about improving yourself in that regard now the next week you'd go into trait number two and you do the same thing the next week trait mm -hmm. number three after 13 weeks you started over again with the first trait now 13 times four are 52 52 weeks in a year so you had a chance to go through the entire course four times well i did that exactly as ben taught the difference it made in my life was absolutely immense and mm. um, and since that time, you know, I've been hooked on trying to improve myself and trying to make, you know, myself a little bit better tomorrow than I am today, a little bit better today than I was yesterday. I love that. Which of the Go Giver series was your favorite to write co-author? Co oh, the last one, uh, the Go Giver Influencer, because that's really, you know, to me, it's just such a, an important, I mean, I, I feel they're all like children, you know, but, <laughs> but, but the Go Giver Influencer is... And I think that's John's favorite too, actually. Mm. Why? Um, because it is something that I think the world can kind of really use right now is being yeah. able to influence, being able to move people to our ideas while helping them feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation and mm -hmm. about, you. Uh, you know, here in the, the U.S., we have you know, a, a real political situation where it's like two sides, like two different countries in the same mm. country. And it used to be that the two basic 
parties, and I'm not talking just about the politicians, I'm talking about the, the everyone, all the citizenry. Uh, it used to be, you know, kind of, I'm right, you're wrong, which isn't, isn't the best situation anyway, but it was always dealable because it was doable because people at least engaged with each other. Now, mm -hmm. you know, as far as both sides are concerned, it's like, I'm right, you're evil. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that mm -hmm. when you feel someone else is wrong, you'll engage with them because they're just wrong. They're, they, their intent is good, they're, but they're wrong. And so it's, but when you feel someone's evil, you won't engage other than to insult. And that's not engagement. That's not, you know, and so, and, and that's really where it's, where it's, you know, kind of gotten. And so what we really want to do, and we did it through, you know, of course we taught the, the lessons in this through a business story, which is, you know, kind of how we do it. Um, but it, it's something that I think, you know, uh, really needs to, to take hold if we're going to kind of, as a, as a, as the human race kind of get back to mm. being, to move forward and as we like to say, nudge the world forward a little bit. We've got to be able to look at each other, not as because we disagree with each other, that it means the other person has evil intent. No, the chances are other than again, that there's always a few, but very few relatively speaking that want bad things to happen. I mean, most people are pretty decent and on mm -hmm. both sides of the, the issue, they, they want you know, I'm sure the same in your country. They want a, a good country where people are happy and and have peace of mind and are able to pursue happiness as, you know, as long as they don't mm. infringe upon the rights of anyone else to do the same and so forth. It's just two different ways of going about it. And, um, and, I, and I think that first, if we're going to be happy and content in the same communities, states, countries, provinces, whatever, we've got to be able to, to look at people, you know, mm -hmm. that way. Um, but we're also much more persuasive when we can first see them as good, decent, well-intended people, mm. right? Because then we can engage and it's only when we can engage that we have the ability to, to influence. Love that, compassion. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us. The We Are Always Better Than Yesterday community. Um, how can my community connect with you? How can they find more of your content? And, and who specifically should look to uh, find out more about you and your books? Well, you know, entrepreneurs and salespeople are typically are, um, although we have, you know, we have a lot of people in corporate leadership. We mm -hmm. have religious leaders, we have the, the different, you know, schools, we have different, you know, people. So, uh, and it's not that we need to be all things to all people. We know we're not, but, uh, mm -hmm. but really people who want sales skills, and leadership skills, and influence skills. And uh, you yeah. know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. Anyone who would like to come to the website and look around, they can go to Berg, B-U-R-G.com. If they go under books, they can get a free chapter of any of the books to see if they like it first, then they can always click through if they like. If they scroll down a little bit to my blog, I have a series out now, video series. I'm doing two of them a week usually, uh, Influence and Success Insights, which is about influence and persuasion. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a... Uh, a uh, two-day workshop that we have in Orlando in April called uh, Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way. <laughs> and we hold those in Orlando so that uh, people from overseas and a lot of, you know, we have a lot of good friends in the UK who can come mm -hmm. over as one stop. We also hold them in my community as well, but I'm a little south of Orlando and we always say you can't get there from anywhere. 
So it's an extra plug, but, but yeah, so just come to the website and browse around and have fun. I love that. I love that. Again, thank you for taking the time out and spending it with us. Um, and I'd be honored if you could leave us with a, a final thought from your good self. Well, let's, let's go back to Zig Ziglar, who's one of my all-time favorite uh, heroes, right? And Zig's most famous, fa- famous saying, which is typically misquoted, which drives me buggy because that's such a great saying, it should be said correctly. Uh, and this saying is, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. And I think that says it all. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you to our listeners and viewers. Um, We will see you next time. Much love. There we go. What an amazing conversation. What a man Bob Berg is. I could have spoken with Bob all afternoon. Um, the the thing that really stood out for me was is what was what stood out when I initially read the go giver leader and that was that phrase of you can't push a rope and it was great to hear Bob's uh, insight into what that really means and why great leaders and influencers uh, pull and not push um, I'll let you into a little a secret as well when I published the fact that Bob was going to be uh, a published guest on on um, the always better than yesterday podcast, I forgot to put the word co at the start of co-author and Bob sent me a little message privately saying, I would really love it if you could edit your post to make reference to um, being a co-author because I would hate not to allow my my fantastic colleague, um, John David Mann, to get the credit for the work that he's also produced. So really showing great integrity. He, He doesn't just talk about leadership. He walks the talk um he is a fantastic example of 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 a leader um, with great integrity so i just wanted to share that little story with you um and hopefully you've been inspired to to at least connect with bob uh, and and find out a bit more about the go giver series as i say the go giver leader is one of my favorite uh, leadership books of all time and um, I hope that you find some inspiration in it too. Please do share this interview with just one person in your network that you feel that this would inspire. And until next time, look after yourself, stay safe, and I'll speak to you soon. Much love.